unspeakably monumental the work of Jesus Christ on the earth is. I mean, about reconciliation. I mean, it's a fascinating shot. Tonight's going to start um, one of three talks that will be hopefully for you practically speaking practically the first one tonight is called union with christ i told you about what that means but i want to open with uh, of course it's an excellent book by barry owens down in dale um this book's called christian schools um anyone else in schools do you have children in school yes i am uh you are we all are and this is a great very practical easy to read thoroughly christ-centered book that John has written, and it is just tremendous. Um, go get it. Um, and here's a, here's a quote. I'm going to kind of insert it. The, the title of this section is called Identity in Schools. There are infinite implications of Jesus coming to work on our identity. Let me talk about that. Not only did Jesus accomplish salvation by taking our sin on himself, and giving us his righteousness. He also is giving you this new identity. It is an identity identity that is secure. No matter how strong our insecurities seem, to be a child of God is a joyous reality. We do not pretend to understand, but it's a reality we can strive to live in light of each and every day. It's a reality that does It's a reality that we can take hope in. It's a reality that's going to be life-changing. With that, we'll look at our passage tonight. Ephesians chapter 1. Where does that identity, that reality come from? It comes from our union with Christ. If you go to a lot of different places in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, that talk about what union with God, union with Christ is, we just want to look at one brief passage. It's the book of Ephesians by the apostle, uh, from the Apostle Paul, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he has chose us, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the heavenly places. May God bless the reading of the word and may he create new life uh, in this book. Let's pray. Lord, I ask now that you would um, help us start with a word, um, and here's my question for you. Here's my question. Just raise your hand. What is your word? What is union with Christ? Second, Adam, you received it. Three, say what? Blessed. Say what? 
us to be ready for that. What is Jesus like? And how do I receive it? And so what? So let's just begin with what is Jesus like? Because I know this is kind of a lofty kind of seems like a theological thing, but I can't I I can't overstate how essential this is that you understand this. Not just understand this, that you can almost receive it. You bring it into the very being and you begin to be able to take it and to take care of it with you. Um, so do you know what a cleansing is? Definition of cleansing. A cleanse is what forms the basis of theory or practice. I actually came from opera singers. Um, a cleanse of a, of a book or a play or a painting or a movie or whatever. It's sort of like the basic thing that everyone agrees on. This is what Jesus is. In logic, the cleanse is the basic statement upon which you prove an argument of faith. Here's the question. the most fundamental, essential, basic starting point, and if this is wrong, everything else is wrong. Let's build on that. If you build, if you build something on a flawed premise, everything on the flawed premise is flawed. But if everything's built on the right premise, you build on the right argument. Okay, so here's the question. The most basic, fundamental thing. I'm, I'm literally going to be pointing to this in a couple minutes, right? Be pointing to this area that's like very visual, right? This premise, right, the basic starting point, two plus two, right, two plus two is four premise, right, right, Jesus Christ is called the son of God, right, period, okay, it's the truest thing about existence, it is something that we often don't think about, we don't stress in our churches, maybe you haven't that's okay. We don't really understand it, so we don't talk about it. And in the process, we probably don't really understand it all very adequately. Or Jesus, for that matter. Because according to the, the Apostle Paul in this passage and other places, there is no such thing as riches and Christ. Right? There's, there's Jesus over here, and he's kind of reaching and saying, like, I'm here for you if you ever need me, right? That's the way I live most of my Christian life, right? Come on, buddy. You can come see me over here, right? Uh, or, or like a pep talk kind of thing. Richie and Jesus. That doesn't exist with Richie and with Jesus. There is Richie Jr. That's what Jesus is. There is someone who has been swallowed up nothing else. There is Richie forever in Jesus. That's what occurred on the cross in the resurrection of Jesus. So a lot of people don't think this way. Um, Jesus uses the, the, the best, obviously. The best description of what union with himself is, he talks about it in John chapter, John, the gospel of John in chapter 15. He says it's like a vine and a branch. It's like a, the, the relationship that a vine or a branch or a vine and a tree would have, that's the relationship of someone who is in union with God. So think about this. Think about the relationship that a branch has with the rest of the vine. 
It's to bedroom people, but it's not the same thing as the carpet people. And then all the nutrients and all the life that comes from the very sap of the tree, from the roots, flows into the branch. Now, if it were to be broken off the tree, it's no longer a branch. It's a stick. You never look at a tree and go, look at that stick on that tree. Anybody notice that? That's dead. It's dead. It's, it's no longer connected to it. But it's a branch. So you get this picture of this connection that is profound and complex. That is the relationship between Christmas and Jesus Christ. So it's apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, apart from me, there is no life. Since in me there is life, apart from me there is no life. And so there are only two categories of human beings in this world. There are those who are in Christ and there are those who are not in Christ. There are those who have been reconciled to God and have peace with God, and there are those who are unreconciled to God and do not have peace with God. There are those who are under the wrath of God, and there are those who have Christ through the wrath of God. Those are only two categories. In Christ, not in Christ. There are other ways of describing this. The Bible uses sane and building. The relationship of sane lab and building, or a head and a body. That's often used in Christ's terms. But it's all this living union of Christ. Now, here's one of my uh, current favorite illustrations of union of Christ. It's from a book called Union of Christ by a guy named Rankin Wilson. Rankin is a pastor in Los Angeles, California. And um, he wrote this book called Union of Christ. And one of his members, a couple of members of his church, um, played or dressed up at, as, as Rankin and at this Christmas concert. And I've never kind of attended one of these concerts, but that's kind of cool, right? And this person said that how much they loved being with Rankin. Because when they would, when, when he would go and play with Rankin, he would put on music and she just sang with Rankin and people related to her as Miss Rankin. She was living with Miss Rankin. And so her identity became this other thing, right? Became this other reality because she was hidden in this character. And he and Rankin uses that as an example of to be hidden in Christ is profound. To be absorbed in someone else's identity, to be absorbed, to be swallowed up in someone else's history, someone else's gifting, someone else's truth. And the Father relates to you based on who Jesus Christ is. Based on the perfection of Jesus Christ. Another great illustration, it's so necessary to illustrate Union of Christ because it's so crucial. Another great illustration of Union of Christ is from a woman that I talk to almost every week. Her name is Linda Elliott. She's 79 years old. I've known her for like 20 years. Um, she is a little spitfire entrepreneur. She has worked with abused women in some of the most difficult situations in Arkansas over the years. She's been constantly abused. And, and at one point, she was really afraid to go to some of these places because it was this really terrifying job. I mean, she was very terrified. And, and she was very scared and, until she finally realized it so broke her and humbled her. She said, the only way that I could go and, go and face my fears in these kind of nightmare scenarios, and this, this is what she said, she said, when I was 
imagine that I've been a really good teacher. I just walk around. Hey, teacher, can I come help you do that? I come to know Jesus as my God. I don't have to know him. She said, I just walk around. I stop in here and tell people that I've been a really good teacher. Another illustration. When I use it in my preaching, I have you know what a Russian Mexican dog is? You know Russian Mexican dogs and French Mexican things? Okay. I have one that is the beetle. That's fast, right? That's so I have one that is the beetle. Um, and that my mom gave to me years ago, and I keep it in my office because it's a weird thing to keep around, right? And I have this in my and the beetle's name is John, and it's like this tall and it's one of yours, and it's like a little bitty green dog. But I keep it in my office and my kids pet it. Uh, my kids pet it. They do what they say to pet it. They groom it in the house. One of the things they'll come to me and they'll be scared and they'll be insecure, all these different things, and they just need people to remind them they love them. That's really what, by the way, what I have that's what I mean by this. Is you forgot who you are when you were a kid. So they come in and I just tell them. What I think they say. You don't even love me. And I'll read this passage. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every with every spiritual blessing in Christ, when He chose us in Him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with the pleasure of His will, to praise His glorious grace with which He has given us. So imagine you are this beetle dog. This is you, okay? And this often, and I have this kind of like tiny office right there in the middle of the desk over here. Um, and, 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 and this office is what it means to be spiritually blessed. I was like, okay, so here you are. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, this guy is ridiculous. But I have this, this microphone, and I put it, well, the first thing I do is like, hey, you've had a really, what, what if you just imagine you had a really good teacher, okay? You made an A on the test. A girl smiled at you, right? She said, let's put you way up here on the, on the top of the shelf and go like, what? Really good. What a good day. It's like 70 degrees. You've got a great weekend planned. It's really, really great. So, so where are you? They say, I'm in Christ. Yeah, you're having a good day in Christ. And I said, well, let's, let's just do something now. Let's move you to this little little side table and I put them on a little side table and 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 I'd be like you know now things aren't so great it's not terrible it's just not a great day you're just kind of tired right and you've kind of fallen back into some of those same patterns that you didn't like and you're like I'm never going to change I'm never going to get better and you start thinking like I don't know if I, I you didn't get the answer to the question I'm trying to make was it loving so here you are you're here now let me ask you a question where are you in Christ yeah you're not out of Christ you're not out you're in Christ. You're having a worse day, but you're in Christ. And then I take you, and I put a bed right in front of you. You go in, and I put the pair of the cobwebs. This is like the horrible nightmare scenario. This is like the worst thing that's happened to you, absolutely at the end of the road, worst day ever. And I actually lay John on his back in front of you. And I was like, he's dead. Where are you? In Christ. 
God has always been a father perfectly loving his son through the Spirit. That's what he's always been. You're going to be able to repeat Michael Reed's phrase or his phrase, a father perfectly loving his son through the Spirit. He's always been. And everyone's relationship with him is transformed by being in communion with him. You're not communing with him. You are conversating with him in a way that is Christ is perfect, we're imperfect, that's okay, that's what, that's the way it works. It never ends, but look how it began, look at this, he says, the Lord who chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship, his adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. destined us. I know that's outrageous. It's so offensive to our ears because we want to be in control of everything, right? And we want it, we want it to become a huge emotion, right? But this God who has loved us before the foundation of the earth has chosen us in him and it had absolutely nothing to do with our good days and bad days and mediocre days. It had everything to do with it started in his chosen, loving heart. I love you. Why? Because I do. Because I'm love, but I'm not good. I love my enemies. He predestined us for adoption. He chose us before the foundation of the world. This is a decision that you and I have absolutely no control over. Once you have utterly liberated that, God's entire work in your life is from start to finish absolutely free for some of you, that would totally free you from how you're feeling about how you're doing in your Christian life. It's, it's almost as crazy as how you got to marry me. What, what role did you play in this? Uh, don't, don't raise your hand if you're single. Y'all got to marry each other. I don't know if you got to, but that's not the point. None of us got to name ourselves, right? We were like little bitty, little babies, and they just named us. Do you know what my parents named me? A little baby, I had no thought of this. Richard Howard Sessions. Who named a baby? Richard Howard Sessions. It's like a little Sir Richard Howard, right? I wouldn't have chosen the name Richard Howard Sessions. But I didn't get a role in that. You don't get a role in this kind of love either. And the reason this sounds so foreign to our ears is because we only understand love, just about, almost always, love and acceptance and those two kind of things as this agape love thing. Nothing, nothing. It just is all about him. He just loves us. That's it. There it is. And then he says, he's adopted us to sonship. Plural. Don't get offended. Justice will lead you. Justice feels very honest because he's not being selfish here. Adopting a son in the first century in the ancient world, the boy, the son, the firstborn, they got everything, the entire inheritance. And so here's what he's saying, male and female, you get everything. Whatever Christ gets, whatever the king gets, whatever the vine gets, you get. 
why you'll do it again. That should be the way it is. I'm starting to see what it would mean to be Everywhere you go, in all those places that you share, all those places that we can see, like we can still do this in church. Like it's still beautiful. But before you see a thought or whatever is set, before you open your eyes for the first time, before you walk through, before you said mama, before you said daddy, before you came to write your life or ask your question, before, 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 before we show you the lamb, before we show you the passion. what happened in the past and that's what we're going to do now so let's present the truth and replace passivity this is what's so life changing if you are sad and lonely fail in Christ you cry in Christ you work in Christ you worry in Christ you laugh in Christ you fight in Christ you dance in Christ you're afraid in Christ you grow in Christ you live in Christ you die in Christ, you rise in Christ. You are seated in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 2, in Christ. You wake up in Christ. You go to school in Christ. You sleep in Christ. You eat in Christ. You do homework in Christ. You learn, learn, learn. Stand by yourself in Christ. Stand by yourself in Christ. There is no you and Christ. There is you and all of the drama and the brokenness doesn't exist in Christ. That's how you live your life. That's how Joseph lived his life. How? Because that's like, okay, how could, how do you get that? I remember the first time I was ever introduced to this concept. Like, people were like, yes, but like, that's got to be some serious, like, work to get in Christ, right? I mean, I'm going to really, like, get my stuff together to be in Christ. But this is where we miss it. We miss it, as one of my friends, Jake Lambeau, said. We miss it. The reason we don't understand it is because it's so complicated. We want it to be complicated. We want it to be complicated so that we can boast. But it's not complicated. It's very simple. It's so simple that it even caused me to fall flat on my face. You know what it is? It's Christ. That's literally what Paul said. All of this in praise of his glorious grace, in accordance with the purpose of his will, in praise of his glorious grace. In, pra in praise of his glorious grace. What is grace? Grace is his free and unmerited favor. It's just, it's like, it's just all gracious. The reason we miss Jesus is because we walk by him because it's just too simple. We want it to look like it needs to be something up here. So Jesus spoke that at one in one time and even talked about himself in John chapter 4. Two guys came in for a drink. He took care of the woman. He said, have you seen enough of the life? And he says, if you only knew the gift of God and how much he loves you. Do you know what Jesus called himself? I'm 
the gift of God. Relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is the gift of God. Would you be here this morning? You'd like to receive it. Or you come to a place like Romans chapter 5, where he's comparing Adam, the first sin, which Jesus talked about in the first time, and then the gift of Christ. This is how we kind of equate three gifts. The free gift is not like that. For many many men died through one man's sin. How much more the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is given to many. And the free gift is not like it's the result of one man's sin. So free gift, and I was like, I'm a Christian, I'm like, what is this word, free gift? It's, you know what the word is? Grace. So what does that mean? It means this. God gave you a gift, God's son, and the spirit of him, the father of Christ in you, that maybe like you don't even really understand or have had a, had a relationship with yet, and that's okay. You may be drawing stuff in here right now that is so simple and like, I just don't get it. profound moments in the last year, and I'm going to share vulnerability with a guy that I've met for maybe three weeks plus a year, and finally by the time he's he's um, really understood the gospel, we were in a Bible study at his church, and there was a guy who was just visiting. We've got to show up. It's kind of a rowdy place. We've got to just show up, and this guy was really, really visiting. I had my friend, my friend with me who'd been serving, and then four or five other guys, and this one guy was really mad about life and the things that I kept doing and wanted to like find my way to church. I'm like, don't, I'm like, don't, I'm like, just show up. And I was just kind of going off. It was kind of unnormal, though, at the time. And I was like, you know, honestly, man, this Christianity here really is about like conformity to Christ and like being moved by Christ, moved by Christ. And he's like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? And my spirit, my spirit kicked over at him and said, it means that you stop trying to save yourself, dude, and you let Jesus save you. And the whole room was just completely shocked. And I was like, that's it. Stop seeing Christ in just a man. You stop trying to save yourself in your grades. You stop trying to save yourself in your looks. You stop trying to save yourself in trying to please everybody. Stop trying to save yourself in running around. Stop trying to save yourself in all the freaking ways that we try to save ourselves. And for just a second, we just admit that we're trying to save ourselves and we're terrible at it. And you just see the gift of God working in you. Can you imagine the emotion that you're feeling? Not our God. Other God. Not our God. Not a God who looks at their words of Brother Murray, the child does not have to struggle to give himself to the church to find acceptance. He doesn't have to fast and sin in prayer to earn a good position. He doesn't have to create a pretty face for himself. He doesn't have to create any state of good feeling, intellectual ambition. All he has to do is happily accept the cookie, the gift of the kingdom. No matter what form of doctrine, no matter what form of doctrine, 
This is something that we totally feel. Don't know where your hometown is, but it's just as different as your hometown. Okay, so what do we do with this? How does logic work? How does, how does that reason work? First, look, your past, the first thing is your reasoning. Your reasoning is important. Your past is important. This may be the information that God wants you to hear. I have lived a lot of my life trapped in addiction. Trapped in being addicted to addiction. Because, and, and, and I'm not saying that, that it's not very true that you have to understand that it, that horrible things have happened to me and horrible things have happened to you in your life. But this means you don't owe it. You have to be defined by that. Here's something. Dependence is a you're not defined by your family, your mom, your dad. You're not defined by what happened to you 10 years ago or what you did to someone 10 years ago. Even though there's consequences to all those things, and there are, there are, there are, there are wounds that will never ultimately be healed until we see Jesus again face to face, but you are not ultimately defined by that. You're ultimately defined by his love for you. That's what matters. That's what this means. How amazing it would be be free from our own story instead of being trapped in it and living in it. And so what, what, what one of my mentors says to me is like, listen, you're learning from the gift of not going to be trapped in the story, but you're going to be filled up by the story. Don't stuff I'm wanting to keep it. And so now my story, because I live in the present, I'm inviting you into it too. Here's the second thing. You think about our destiny. Not only our personal history, but our destiny. This is something I love to say to Bayside students who are so deeply prayer-oriented. When they get there, they trust me. They're already thinking about what they're going to do this year. They're already vision planning the next thing that they want to get. All this kind of stuff. And I love saying this to them. Um, Jesus is the destiny you have. And they're like, this guy can tell me what I need to do. Jesus is the destination. They're like, how can you say that? I'm like, the fullness of God will please dwell in you. Can you get better than that? The fullness of God, God himself, full, Jesus Christ is God, and everything that was accomplished, past, present, and future, for the kingdom of God and the most glorious restoration of shalom is completely pulsating through the person of Jesus Christ, who is seated in the heavenly realms right now. And if you are in Christ, you are in this person. Can't get any better than that. Jesus is the destination. Here's the third thing. Jesus is the destination that you You already have the destination. Are you still on the path? <laughs> Think over there a little bit. You have the destination, but then guess what? You can stop thinking of all those other things and find your destination. And you can begin to live from this great answer that you found in Christ and begin to ask questions. I want to begin, I want to begin, I want to begin. And you can, you, you can begin to stop living with this sort of fixed point thinking that one day I'm going to get to this arrival.
man, I've been slinged and rivaled. I'm going to get you this place. I'm going to get on this team. I'm going to start dating this girl. I'm going to get into this school. Those are rivals that you're living for. You can be freed from the journey of a rival and just realize Jesus is the best destination. The best thing that is ever going to happen to you ever in the history of the world, the best thing that's going to ever happen to you has already happened to you at Jesus Christ. Before you ever start the race, you were in the back of the line. That's revolutionary. Third, it brings us to completion. Here's what that means. All the things you could do for me, Jesus, please do. Please do this. I want you to do this. You know why? Because you need to be complete. In Christ, you're complete. You can be the broken person that you are. Though you've rooted and grounded in Christ and being transformed and dying to these old patterns over time and killing these old things that were dragging you away from Christ in the past, you're being transformed so that you can be the broken person in Christ so you can be complete. Don't when I come to camps like this and especially this age of youth, that's really what I want. I was about 10 years old and I was at a camp go get a friend, and I was excited about going, and you and I and some of the other youth, and and I got the most hellacious stomach bug that has, I've, I've just never encountered anything like it in my life. And I was 10 years old, I could eat anything down the entire camp. It was like, it was like 12 bucks to get in. And I was, I was disgusted. I smelled bad, and everyone in my class was it was the worst, man, one of the worst experiences of my life. They made fun of me until I couldn't stay. And I, and I wanted to be involved. It was, it was the most icky, insecure, it's like connected. Icky is kind of a nightmare connection, right, to be that guy in that camp. I started thinking I was going to kind of have them like the little ostriches, Mojo, like little ostriches that you know you can play with. Not to joke about, I can still use those. But I've had the altitude sickness, and I started thinking, I started doing stuff that was just really weird to me. I started drinking super strange stuff, right? And I started thinking, what a gift God has given me that, that I'm giving to the world. I can't hated that feeling. I shared with all those other kids that hated that feeling. I was embarrassed for that feeling. Now, I haven't even told my wife that story in probably three days, so that's how I feel about that. But you know who never left that kid? And will never leave that kid? Our Jesus. And you know who stands where you can?
Thank you. 